Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now we get to Tuesday night's game where Pete Hoffman joined me. It was Rico Bronia night out at City Field as the Mets were taking on the Padres. Really a gorgeous night. It was 70 degrees out. It was, it was beautiful. And to the credit of David Peterson, David Peterson, I really thought, threw his best start of the season. And it's unfortunate that he made the one mistake that he did in that fifth inning when he gave up the double to Manny Machado that really did it in because I thought, and you got to remember who they're facing. You know, the Mets are facing a good offensive team. This isn't the Marlins anymore. This is the San Diego Padres where when you look up and down this lineup, especially on Tuesday night's case, because they put their right-handed lineup in, which I think is more dangerous because Grisham isn't leading off. Nelson Cruz who has been crushing this year. I know you love that. You put him in the lineup. So you're looking at Bogarts and Machado and Soto right out the gate. That is a challenge for David Peterson. I mean, you could talk about their bottom of the order has weaknesses. And let that be a reminder, by the way. And this is not to defend the Mets because I don't want to defend their bottom of the order. I just want to make a point. There's a lot of bad bottom of the orders in baseball. Now, San Diego Padres are a team that I think have a chance to go to the World Series. Pete thinks they have a chance to go to the World Series. And sure, they're missing Fernando Tatis Jr., which will change things. But were you scared of their bottom of the order? Hassan Kim, uh, Nolo or Camponsano, take your pick behind the plate. Trent Grisham, Brandon Dixon, Rougenetto, Dort. I mean, take your choices on which lineup you want to look at. But they were not intimidating six to nine. And Cronenworth isn't off to a great start either. So, and, and I think we all agree the Padres have a good lineup. But that is not a fearsome bottom of the order. It's a reminder that most teams don't have fearsome's bottom of the order. There are some that do. The Atlanta Braves do. A lot of teams, the Phillies, bottom of the order right now? Yeah, that, that's scaring you? It's, it's a reminder that a lot of these teams are flawed. I, and just before we go continue with the, the, the second game, I, I have to just throw that out there. A lot of people and Mets fans alike are criticizing this Mets lineup overall. And I can't fathom it. I understand the lack of power. I can't criticize that. But as far as a veteran lineup, a good, consistent lineup, hitters, a, like we actually still have one of the better lineups in the league. It may not show right now on paper, but it's also game 12 or 13. Well, I don't think anything's changed from last year in terms of what this offense is. To me, 
they have five really good offensive players that you'd like to line up one through five. Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil. I mean, I put those five, I'm not saying they're better than the Padres five by any stretch, but I put that five up against a lot of teams to, to at least match it. So, yeah, I think that they are what they were last year, which is a team that can be in the top five offensively in Major League Baseball. They get talked about as if they're trash. And I think a part of why they get talked about that way is because they're not off to the greatest start. They've left small countries on base. And the game we're talking about is exactly what happened. I mean, you look at game two of this series against Ryan Weathers. They left countries on base. And this has been a problem. And clutch hitting is, you think it evens out. Like, that's your hope. Ah, it'll even out. 2020 was such a short season, but 2020 was so freaking weird in that the Mets hit. They got on base plenty. They could not get the big hit. The big hit eluded them all season long. I felt like last year, a part of why they were fifth in baseball and run scored is that they got the big hit. They got the big hit more times than not. So you look at game two of this series, and we put Peterson aside. We talked about how well he pitched, not going to get into the details. The Mets start this game against Ryan Weathers with a walk, a beautiful bun single by Marte, and another walk. You have the bases loaded and nobody out with Pete Alonzo and Mark Canna coming up. The fact they did not score a run is a crime. And Pete Alonzo had a difficult at-bat. He was mad that the, I think it was the 0-1 pitch he thought was off the plate. It was called a strike. He's behind 0-2. He works the count full to 3-2, and and he gets overly aggressive. And I think it was a changeup in the dirt he swings at, which right there, now that should not kill the inning, but Pete Alonso, bases loaded, nobody out, can't make freaking contact. That's problem number one. Marcana falls behind, hits a tailor-made double play. And right off the top, you're facing a young guy in Ryan Weathers. You have him on the ropes, and you do nothing. You do nothing. And then you go to the fourth inning. They get a leadoff hit by Lindor. They get a bloop single by Alonzo. Again, you are set up. You have first and third and nobody out. You got you to make that a big inning. And Pete Alonzo gets picked off. And we'll spend more time on this later because – Hoff and I were talking about this at the game. That pickoff's going to hurt Alonzo's war. I tell you that right now. <laughs> we spent a couple of innings yeah, talking about wow. Pete's war. We'll get to that. But that can't happen. Like, I love Pete, but that cannot happen. First and third, nobody out. You can't get your ass picked off. Now, to the credit of Marcana, he gets the sacrifice fly, and at least the Mets get a run across. But that's all they did. Their offense was limp after that. And they had opportunities. At first and third, nobody out. You only score one run, bases loaded, nobody out. You don't score any runs. That's when you lose the game because you can't expect after getting four scoreless out of your bullpen the night before, and you know with Peterson, you're not getting more. In a perfect world from Peterson, you're getting six. In a perfect world. They ended up getting five and two-thirds, which wasn't far off. You think you're winning a one nothing game with David Peterson and the Met ball? There's no way you're winning a one nothing game. And Peterson, who had a real good shot to get through trouble in the fifth, nursing the one nothing lead. There's first and second one out. Alonzo makes a great diving play, which should increase his war. 
And then he's battling Manny Machado, and Manny just hooks that line drive, stays fair, two-run double. They're down two to one. And that's really where the game got frustrating because they're down two to one now. They're in the Padre bullpen facing Brent Honeywell and Luis Garcia and Steven Wilson. I don't know if you heard about Steven Wilson. Uh, He throws this really cool pitch. It's called a slaughter. I don't know if you've heard about that. (laughs) Yes, it's very slutty. Very slutty pitch. (laughs) Nobody can hit. Oh, man. Um, And they couldn't hit the Padre bullpen. They just couldn't hit it. And they had a few opportunities. Eighth inning against Wilson. He's having issues throwing strikes. They set up with two on and one out for Starling Marte. And he grounds out. And Lindor strikes out. And the Mets couldn't get a big hit. And, and then my favorite part of this baseball game. And obviously I say favorite very sarcastically. You're down two to one. You spend four innings, five innings, whatever it was. Trying to just get a run across to tie the game. Your bullpen's doing a great job. Denny Reyes has been gets a big out, bailing out David Peterson. He pitches a good inning. Brooks Raley comes in, gets through an inning. Now you're like, all right, Dennis Santana, show me some magic. He gives up a leadoff double, and he's about to get through it. Gives up a leadoff double to Camponsano, gets Grisham out, strikes out uh, Azokar, and here he is. He's, he's one out away from getting through it and Xander Bogarts hits a freaking baseball that has not landed. The Padres didn't score a lot of runs in this series, but they hit a couple of home runs that are just moonshots. Bogarts in game two, Soto in game three. Holy crap with that one. I think, I think uh, that was Santana's masturbator. The one that, (laughs) is that the one? (laughs) Yes. And when, when Bogarts hits that home run and now you're down four to one, and you're staring at Hader in the ninth inning. Game's over, right? G- game's over. But in my mind, not that the Mets are going to score two runs, but they're going to score a run. Because whenever your bullpen, and we saw this in the Miami series, game two of the season, when Curtis gave up a home run in the ninth, Mets are down one nothing. now it's 2 nothing. And what happens in the top of the ninth? Pete Alonzo, it's a home run 2-1. to one. Like, it happens all the time. So, of course, here, here come the Mets. They're going to score. They're going to do something to make that insurance run kill you. And Josh Hader really, really struggled to throw strikes. He walks Pete Alonzo. He hits Marcana, but Canna's swinging the freaking bat. And I don't even know what the Mets were challenging. I mean, he swung. doesn't matter if it hit him. He swung. He's out. Sit down. The worst part about that, though, was you and I were sitting there as they're challenging, and the crowd was booing the umpire as them, like saying, "Like, oh, he got hit, he got hit." Like the the crowd didn't know the rules either. No one knew. People are like, "Oh, it hit him. He should be on first. No, he swung, and that was a killer because after that, he walks Jeff McNeil, and now the Mets have the tying run at the plate. It's like, holy crap! Can you imagine? Tommy Pham comes through with an RBI single credit to him. He's played actually reasonably well. And here's the moment that I think all of us as Met fans, and we got a lot of emails about this, a couple emails about this. And you and I were talking about it at the time. This is the most depressing pinch hit appearance in the history of the New York Mets. Because you have only used Tim LaCastro off your bench. Tim LaCastro at pinch run for Eduardo Escobar in an inning earlier. 
And then Luis Guillorme came in the game to play third base because you were pinch running for Escobar. So those are the bench pieces the Mets used. The Mets are set up first and second, down by two, one out, Luis Guillorme. And Buck looks at his bench and says, oh, geez, I don't really like Guillorme against Tater, which I get. Why would you like that? And he says, well, I got one righty on my bench. I got a lefty. I got Daniel Vogel back. I'm not using him against Hader, obviously. I got Tomas Nito. You know, you know Tomas Nito, basically a pitcher hitting. And he decides to send them up to pinch hit. Now, there's uh, so many issues with this. Where do we begin? First of all, it shows the problem with this roster. Let's start with that. It shows that you have a flawed bench. If the bat you're going to go to is Tomas Nito, that's a problem. That, that's a major, major issue. And so, yeah, it's fair to look at this roster and say, geez, you're set up in a spot where you've got to use Tomas. It's not like he's pinch hitting for a pitcher. Where oh, it's a position player. It's a pot. He's pinch hitting for a human who actually knows how to handle the bat in Luis Guillorme. And by the way, I know Guillorme can't hit lefties. I get it. I know the numbers. I've looked at it. Here's the difference, though. Luis Guillorme can give you an at-bat. And that's why, number one, it shows the Mets roster's flawed. And number two, I wouldn't have pinched it for Guillorme with Tomas Nito because I got no shot to get a hit with either guy. Here's the way I look at it. In all, in all seriousness, neither guy is getting a hit off Josh Hader. So my best option, my best chance is I'm going to have a quality at-bat and work a walk because Hayter's having big issues throwing strikes. Who do you think has a better shot to give you a quality at-bat? Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride-or-die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Luis Guillorme. I'm not trying to tell you it's a great situation. The situation blows. Like, I admit, I don't love Luis Guillorme against Josh Hader. I am not arguing that. I'm arguing the idea that you think Tomas Nito gives you a better shot. And the game could have ended on a double play because he tapped one back to the mound, shockingly enough. And luckily, there was that pause by Hader. Fam got the second quick enough, throws the first base, two outs. And look, as far as the Alvarez at-bat is concerned, I think most of us are pining for him to play. I think most Met fans want to see him play all the time. He hasn't. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But you couldn't have asked for more. You get Alvarez in a spot where he can tie the game up, second and third, two outs. He's facing Hater. I loved it because it was a, all right, you know what? This guy, we don't know if he's a major leaguer yet. We don't know if he's ready. The Mets clearly don't think he's ready. Let's throw him into the fire. So I loved it. And it sucked it didn't work. It sucks that every pitch he missed was out of the strike zone, that Josh Hader did not throw one strike. And 
I don't want to say he looked overmatched. I don't think that's fair for that at-bat. But he didn't have a good day. Went over four, struck out three times, struck out with the biggest spot on line. But this is what it's about. It's about getting guys' experience. And so as he was standing up there, I wasn't very confident. But I'm glad he had that moment. And I'm glad the Mets were at least able to rally and make things interesting against Hader in the ninth inning. So no complaints about that last at-bat. It is what it is. He failed. But the Nito Guillaume thing just wanted to, my head was exploding between the anger over the roster and then the anger over I wouldn't have put Nito up over Luis Guillaume. Now I totally agree. First of all, let me just say something about Alvarez. I am angry about that at bat because it was how many what the sixth at bat, seven at bat of the season. He played that would have been if he played every day, he would have had enough. At bats that maybe that wouldn't have been as big of a spot for him. So far, he had two know. back to he had two back to back at bats. He was in the eighth and ninth inning in two big spots. Like for Alvarez, he hasn't had enough games under his belt. You got to give him playing time. So that's that's the first no, I, criticism. I, I want him to play. Like I'm yeah. not arguing about that. I don't know if well, if he played on Sunday too or Saturday. He played Sunday on Monday too would have made a difference. Yeah, so. but the point the point is that they said that they didn't want to play him a lot because they want to ease him in. Every time they ease him in, he gets to be in this big moment. Like, what the hell? Eventually, that's not easing him in. Okay, like same thing. They brought him up with six games left to go in the season, and he's he's up against like the uh, Kenley Jansen. That's not easing a rookie into the into into the bigs. I'm sorry. Right. Anyway, that that being said, talk about the Guillaume Nito bat. I bat. I'll even go back at inning earlier, which you think I was crazy for, and I'm not debating Starling Marte is a better hitter, but you have this fat chooch in in Vogelback on your bench. He is a quote-unquote, lefty DH, power hitter, and you can't find a spot for him in the lineup at all, you know you're not getting him in versus Hader. You know that. So you're telling me you can't find him the the quote-unquote protection for Pete Alonso. You tell me you can't find a spot for him? So let's go through the spots where Vogelbach could have worked, and I'll also tell you why Buck made a huge mistake that I think he corrected the following day. That's what I wanted to get on for Pete. So you knew exactly what I was getting at. Pete Hoffman sitting next to me at City Field in the eighth inning wanted a pinch hit for Starling Marte with Daniel Vogelback. I love you, bro. What are you freaking nuts? Were you yes. high? Yeah, no. But you yes. don't even like Daniel Vogelback. I, I hate him. him. You, you hate him and you want him pinch hitting for Starling <laughs> Marte? But but Evan, Evan, th- this is the point of the depth of the roster. You're, you, you, ha- this is a spot, or you need to find a spot where you could use okay. your power hitters. They don't want to use them. Yeah, uh, let's let's go through it. And I'll show you the uh, positives and negatives. I'll lay out all the scenarios so everybody can make their own decision. The spot to use them is the seventh thing, because the only guys, in my opinion, in this lineup that he threw out there on Tuesday, and just to remind you real quick how it was lined up: Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonso. Okay, none of those guys should ever be pinched for including Marte. Canna was the DH. McNeil, who should never be pinched for it. Famine left. Escobar and Alvarez. I think that the, really the only guy I'd pinch hit for is Tommy Pham. Like, am I pinch hitting for Canna? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I put Canna up there. Pham up there. Escobar too, because of the way he's hit. I'm not pinch hitting for Alvarez. I'm letting him play. So those are those guys. Those are the guys you'd look at and say, all right, in the right spot, 
I'd pinch hit for those guys. Seventh inning. That's the inning. Alonzo leads off by flying out. Now, remember, the Mets are down 2-1 to one in the seventh inning. And you're right. You know haters looming in the ninth inning. Keep that in mind. Mark Canna won out in the seventh inning. You want to pinch hit for Mark Canna with Daniel Vogelback? You could. I- the problem, and it's a big one, is that if he pinch hits for Canna in the seventh and stays in at DH, simple, in the ninth, where there's a decent chance that spot's coming up again, haters on the mound. And as we just talked about with Nito, you have no right-handed bat off the bench to go use him. So you got to think two steps ahead. The second problem is when Pham plays left field. Tommy Pham was in left field. So after McNeil singled with two outs, the Mets had a runner on first, two outs in the seventh, Tommy Pham up against Luis Garcia right-handed. Totally a great spot for Vogelback. And you could argue, you know what? I can't worry about the ninth inning. I have my shot here. Fam's playing against lefties. This is the moment to use Vogelback. And I would actually agree with you. I'd say, you're right. Here's the problem. You got Tommy Fam in left field. So if you pinch hit with Vogelback, what are you doing next? Vogelback's out the game. Can't stay in the game. He's not playing left field. You're now using Lo Castro to go play the outfield. That's what you're doing. Or you're inserting Luis Guillorme and you're moving McNeil to the outfield. When you have a lefty on the mound and Pham's the bat that's being added, universally, Tommy Pham's being added, you have to DH him. You can't play him in left field, even if his defense is better than Canna, because you lose your ability to pinch hit for Pham late in the game. Because now you got these weird issues of, if you pinch hit for Pham with Vogelback, it's only one at bat. It's not two, because Vogelback can't stay in the game. The only position he can play is first base. And now you're forced to use another guy to come in and play the outfield. And the Met bench isn't good to begin with. So now, yeah, you're taking your one shot with Vogelback, but now you've just weakened your bet. You weakened whoever came into the game, right? Because it's probably LeCastro or Guillaume. And that's it. You used your one bullet. So what Buck has to realize, and I think he did because he did it on Wednesday with a lefty on the mound, had Canna and Pham basically ran out the same lineup minus Alvarez. And what did he do? He DH'd Pham and he played Canna and left. That's what he has to do. And if your argument to me is, well, but Pham's better defensively, I'd say it's not worth it because look at what I just laid out. Like, what, where was the spot to pinch it? Because if it's Vogel back, he's out of the game. It's one at bat. And then when the ninth inning comes around, who's up in that spot? The answer is either Luis Guillerme or Tim LaCastro. That's it. And then, oh, by the way, you're not pinch running for Escobar because you've just used Tim LaCastro. Does all make sense? Yeah, no, it is. And which is a crapshoot. You're right. This is, this is the issue. And this is why your solution of finding a way to eliminate a bullpen arm is, is ideal. So that you can yes. add somebody to the, I mean, and that's why people are saying, oh, well, you know, Alvarez should be a DH. He can't be a DH because no one's, no one is a, if you brought up Mikel Perez to be a backup catcher, you're killing the, the, the bull, the bench that much more. It's, it's a terrible situation so, right now. So, so I agree with you, but apparently Buck doesn't because Buck was asked, I think it was before Wednesday's game about Alvarez yeah. being an option at DH. Yeah. And by the way, Buck 
really hates young players. I'm now convinced of this. Here's what he says about Alvarez being used as a DH, which opens up issues we've brought up before, very similar to what I just talked about. I'd be more okay with it, more inclined than you'd think I would, if he shows he's an offensive force up here, if that happens. <laughs> it's like, hey, guys, he's not that good. I'd be inclined to do it. I'd be okay with it. But can the guy show something offensively before I do it? I mean, but but the thing is, like, does anybody see how he performed in single A and double A? He was struggling, and then he figured it out, and it and it started to click. It, yeah, it, I, he hasn't had enough of bats here yet. No, I agree with you, and I'm on the side of let him figure it out up here. Now, Buck has said openly, "Hey, I'm trying to win games," and I and I get that. And Nito, look, there's going to be a lot of Nito slander. Nito is a terrible offensive player. There's no debate about that. He's very good defensively, and I don't want to minimize that. It's not as if Nito's just some bum. So I get Buck's point of, hey, I think Nito gives us a better chance to win because I'm not sure what Alvarez is yet offensively, and I know Nito's better defensively. I'm not arguing the better chance to win thing. I'm basically saying, hey, let's give the kid a shot. Like, if he's going to be here at the major league level, let's play him. Let's give him a couple of weeks to basically play every day. No, you're right. But the thing is, like, his point may be valid about Nito being the better defensive catcher. However, we've seen Peterson pitch now three games. His best pitching performance was with Francesco Alvarez behind the dish. I would – don't go crazy with that, though. (laughs) Please. Because it really – that's – you know what that is, though? That's looking for something to make the point. Like, you're – and I get that. You want Alvarez to play. I want Alvarez to play, too. I think that David Peterson is fine with either guy. Alvarez is never going to have the advantage over Nito as far as calling a game is concerned. Nito is very good at that. Like, we we just need to be fair when we have these discussions. I don't think we should rip Tomas Nito for things he doesn't deserve ripping for. He's a bad offensive player. Like, that's that's the issue with him. But as far as working with pitchers, pitch framing defensively, he's very good. It, it, that's not the knock. It's more, and maybe it's just a difference of opinion here. I just want to give the kid a shot for a few weeks. Otherwise, why is he up here? Would be the way right. I look at it. And, and we'll get to game three in a second. But uh, one thing that I had an issue with again is Vogelback didn't get in that bat and they ran Nito out there again. And you have a backup catcher. You have Francisco Alvarez yeah. who could have, they could have done a sub there. And that was a spot that they didn't do again, a double play. They don't have, their bench is an issue. And I think the biggest issue is kind of what you said before. And I've mentioned a lot, which is they need another bat off the bench. And I, I get, it's tough when Max Scherzer goes five and David Peterson goes five, and Tyler McGill goes five, that if you're not getting seven innings out of your starters and you're using four relievers every day, you feel like you need eight relievers out of your bullpen. So I understand that. And they do right now because they're not getting longevity, longevity, not getting length out of their starting pitchers, but this bench is in such desperate need of a fifth bat. It just is because this is not a major league bench.